In this episode of the Eucatropolis podcast, I talk with educator Catherine Goikman about how to create mindful musical moments with your ukulele. And if you like what you hear, you can join Catherine for a free online ukulele workshop where she expands on these ideas on Saturday, March 27th, 2021. For more information on this free workshop with Catherine, go to catplaysukulele.com. Welcome back to the Eucatropolis podcast. I'm your host, James Hill, and today I have a very special guest with me, Catherine Goikman, who's a friend of mine and a fellow ukulele teacher. Catherine is an artist, a musician, and teacher, and she believes that music is for everyone. She teaches ukulele lessons and workshops online to students of all ages, and a few years ago, she picked up the ukulele just for fun, and she quickly saw its potential for teaching music and creating community. Um, She's a member of the Toronto Ukulele Orchestra. She enjoys creating multi-part arrangements for her friends and students. Catherine is an OCT certified teacher. That is the Ontario College of Teachers. And she's also a level three Jehui certified ukulele teacher. Catherine, welcome to the Uketropolis podcast. Thank you for having me, James. It's a pleasure. We've been meaning to do this for a long time. So, Catherine, your, I mean, sort of specialty or your special interest, I suppose, is, um, I suppose, like mindfulness and uh, relaxation through ukulele. Can you tell us a bit about what that means, mindfulness, when it comes to playing the ukulele and why ukulele is well suited to this kind of thing? Sure. So, um, first of all, I'm not, uh, you know, a certified meditation teacher or anything like this. This is my perception of mindfulness and what it means to me but find a lot of times my head is spinning with thoughts and you know while you're doing something you're thinking about what am I going to make for dinner or what happened with that argument with somebody yesterday and you have a hard time being right here right now so for me mindfulness is getting away from um, sort of being stuck in that that spinning in your head and deciding that I want to focus on being here and now. And um, you can use the ukulele and your own body to help you have a mindful moment. So how do you do that? You might do something like focusing on counting your breaths. Take a few moments where you just think about how you're breathing, or you might think about how your body feels in that moment. And then you can take that breathing and thinking about your body and um, choose a simple chord progression and just focus on on doing that with the ukulele at the same time. Hmm. So that's kind of one way that I use mindfulness. Right, right. And is this something that has really come on strong um, since the onset of the pandemic? Or is this something you've been doing all along? (laughs) I've been doing this for a long time, um, for sure. Uh, You know, I'm... Some of my other pastimes include knitting and drawing, and I think both of those are great fun, mindful activities as well. Right. Because when I'm knitting, I can, if I want to be in the moment right then and there, I can be doing something like counting my stitches. Mm. Or when I'm drawing, you're focusing just on the pen strokes and the colors you're choosing and being right there in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and also yoga. But actually, there's a connection for me between yoga and ukulele. 
when I first started doing yoga and the teacher tells you to do things like inhale, exhale, as you're doing different postures, I couldn't do that breathing exercise at the same time as trying to learn the different postures. Mm-hmm. And it was really complicated to put them together. And it wasn't until I developed some facility with the yoga postures that I was able to start to incorporate the mindfulness aspect of the yoga. And I taken that to my ukulele practice. A lot of my students hear music like um, Daniel Ward's arpeggio meditations and they want to play that, but they don't have the finger picking skills yet or the ability to change chords smoothly yet. So I've tried to find ways to help them learn the breathing and how to play the chords smoothly in a, in a simpler way. So this is something I've been doing for a long time, um, both as a student and as a teacher, I guess to your original question (laughs) (laughs) no take your time because part of the the fun of the podcast is that we have no no time limits and we can just stretch out and answer the question in whatever way you want if it takes you to a story or it takes you to a memory or you know just uh, don't feel uh, that this is like live tv uh uh, you know breakfast tv and we've only got you know (laughs) 13 seconds to get the whole story out um I've always been curious about sort of mindfulness and I've always used it for myself, uh, even since I was a kid, very intuitively, uh, Mm -hmm. breathing exercises that I would invent, you know, as I was going to sleep. Um, My mom would often draw like pictures on my back to help me to relax as I was going to sleep. I do that for my son as well. Um, There are a lot of intuitive ways that that I've sort of explored that mindfulness... um, practice in in my own life um but i have a lot of questions about it because uh, especially when when it comes to music mm-hmm. is it a, when um how much should i be focusing on getting it right i think this is one of the things that that stops people up like right i i i do want to get it right because playing is fun and and hearing myself sound good is fun what is that how do you approach that balance between sort of accomplishing a task and feeling good about that task mm-hmm. and just the the inherent sort of meditative moment that you're trying to trying to create yeah i would say find what feels good so if it's really complicated and hard and you're having to concentrate too much on a particular finger pecking technique or a hard chord to play then, then take a step back and find something that feels good. Mm. So um, can we try a little mindfulness and ukulele moment right now? I'd love that. Okay, so this is one that I can do with students of all ability levels, my beginners to my advanced students. I'm going to use two chords, mm-hmm. um, C major 7, which is from the top, uh, from the ceiling to the floor, open, 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 two. And a second chord, A minor, which from the ceiling to the floor is two, zero, zero, zero. And we're gonna just do four strums on each. So it'll sound something like this. C major seven, two, three, four. A minor, two, three, four. C major seven, two, three, four. A minor, two, three, four. Keep going back and forth. So that chord change feels good. It feels good already because it's like so soothing, but it also is so ergonomic. Yeah. Right? Which is why it's a great one that I can do with uh, my students who are just beginning and 
even my more advanced students enjoy it as well. So after a moment, maybe you start to pair your breath with the chord changes. So maybe on the next C major 7, I'm going to inhale. Inhale. you you need to to feel a moment of of your own inner peace wow that's great i really love that thank you i love those chords and and i just like you say it comes back to the way it feels it feels good yeah <laughs> it's like so simple right <laughs> it feels good to do that yeah um it, i've just to geek out on the on the musical side of things too i mean <laughs> those are relatively sophisticated harmonies that the ukulele makes accessible just by virtue of the way it's tuned and you know c major seven is one of those lush you know jazz harmonies it's so pretty on the ukulele right (laughs) right exactly and now that would even on the piano if i think of playing that on piano that that's a handful on the (laughs) piano right Uh, but on ukulele it's a it's a one finger chord and because you're kind of orbiting this minor key i've always found in jam sessions i don't know if you find this but in jam sessions minor key songs seem to go for longer in general i've found this rule that minor key songs don't wear you down as quickly there's something about there the the edges are smoother there's a little bit more darkness you don't get sort of um screen fatigue (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as quickly with a minor key song. So it's interesting to me from a musical standpoint that, you know, that's you're you're gravitating toward that that minor um tonality, which which feels like I could just sit there for, for a very, very long time without getting squirmy, you know. Right? That's that's part of it, right? That's that you can be there in that moment and feel comfortable yeah. and peaceful there. But it's it, it's again to just keep going on the musical side of things. Like if if you if you chose two chords that were a little too um, high contrast, for lack of a better word, for like if you did G seven and C, for example, mm-hmm. like it would sound like this. And like those are two chords that you might think, oh well, let's play those two chords because they're really common on ukulele. Mm-hmm. But I don't know about you, but like 
I don't really feel relaxed about those two chords. I feel yeah. like that's the ending of a symphony. <laughs> I, f- I feel a little bit distracted you know? by the chords instead of <laughs> the chords helping me to create that 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 peaceful kind of vibe where the harmonies blend together. It's yeah. that, that resolution instead, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and so I, I I think just if you're if you're listening to this and thinking, oh, I want to write some of my own you know meditative moments. Yes. Um, I would say, I don't know what you think about this, but like I would gravitate more to those those minor keys and maybe staying away from like the tonic dominant relationship mm-hmm. that is so much a part of the music that we have grown up with. And yet it's a little bit too, I don't know. It's a little bit like, it, it, it feels like work. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if it does, you know, and for some people that G7 to C might feel good. It right, might, but yeah. if it doesn't feel good to you, James, mm-hmm. then you obviously need a different pair need of to... chords or or more chords, right? As many <laughs> chords as you like. <laughs> Maybe I just need to lie down on the couch and talk to somebody about tonic dominant relationships. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it feels a little bit too much like school. Yeah. Like like you do this and then you do that, and this is the way that we do it in music. Um, mm-hmm. But when I get here, it's like oh. That that feel that sounds like me time. Yeah, it's, a it's bit amazing dreamy. to me. Yeah, it's very dreamy. It's amazing to me how the how that's built into the music and how we respond to those sounds. It's amazing. For sure, that's great. So so how how far have you gone with these um, meditative moments? Um, is it something that you use only with your students? Is it something that's out there that other people can access? Uh, so I've created some for, for myself and for my students, and um, occasionally I create little short three or four minute videos for my own little YouTube channel, for my, just for my students, right? I'm not trying to be YouTube famous or anything, but uh, to remind my students how to play them. Um, I haven't noticed anybody else doing this same kind of thing in this way. Hmm. There's a number of artists who are creating pieces that they're, they call ukulele meditations, but I think a lot of those those meditations are beautiful, but they're inaccessible to beginners. So that's right. part of my motivation for making these more simple, mindful moments, um, mm. because there's a little bit of self teaching in them too. Right. They, so like sometimes after a student has mastered this this one that we just did, well then I might introduce some pima finger picking, and we do it again, mm. like. And when right. once that starts to feel good then I can say, hey, um, now you're ready to try one of those Daniel Ward arpeggio meditations. Mm-hmm. Or maybe one of my students says, I really like this kind of finger-picking stuff, but I miss melody, because a lot of those finger-picking meditations don't really have a strong melody. And then I can say, um, well, now that you've mastered a little bit of finger-picking, let's try some of the meditations um, or the ukulele studies that my friend and teacher, Chon Galvez, has made. He's got a great book of... Um, ukulele studies that once you've mastered the skills, you can turn them as well into these mindful moments. Um, and there are 50 beautiful studies with finger picking and arpeggios and um, and melody in every single one. So it depends on, on, on your flavor that you like, right? If you want just the harmonies of the chords or if you want to add um, a meditation with a melody, uh, check out Chone's work. I love those um ideas and those meditations and and i'm a big fan of uh, those two guys daniel and chone can you tell us where to find more about both of them 
Absolutely. Daniel uh, Ward has a website. His website is danielward.net. And uh, Chone's website is chone.es. Cool. We'll put those links in the show notes as well. Fantastic. So (laughs) one thing that I, I wanted to talk with you about and get your opinion on is the role of creativity in sort of meditative moments. I've found in my own teaching that one of the ways to get students to sort of be here now when it comes to music is to involve them creatively, whether that is helping to write lyrics, whether that's doing some guided improvisation, uh, or whether that's even coming up with a harmony part or whatever it is, getting them involved creatively often sort of forces them into the moment because they're not just um, copying what you're doing or doing what you're asking them to do. It Mm -hmm. puts them in a different place in their brain. What have you found about that? How much creativity is is good? How much is too much? What, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> it's a complicated question. <laughs> well, you can give a complicated <laughs> answer if you like. <laughs> okay, well, let's start with taking ownership of the mindful moment. Hmm. So if I've shown some students uh, a nice chord progression that I like for creating a mindful moment, um, I want them to be able to take that away and when they're on their own, find their own way to pair their breathing with their chord changes or um, be aware of their body and their surroundings, or even to create a little daydream moment. Like sometimes you might take yourself to, um, to, an, to, to an imaginary beach and, you know, mm-hmm. imagine yourself sitting on the beach while you're doing that. So there's, there's that aspect of it where I want, you know, students to be able to, to make it their own that way. And that's very creative, right? I mean, you're absolutely. imagining the scene. Some, sometimes I think we think creativity has to be literally, you know, writing a melody on a piece of paper. But, you know, even creating that scene in your mind is a, a creative act. Absolutely. And then the second, um, the second part is creating your own chord progressions uh, that feel good. And to find what feel, feels good, I often suggest my students start with all open strings and putting a finger down somewhere and see how it sounds. And often you come up with that C major seven or that A minor, right? Because those are one finger chords and finding something feels good or maybe start on a C chord and then go to C major seven, which is just the second finger and then go to open strings and going back and forth. So encourage students to fi- start with a chord or a chord progression that they like and then try changing one or two fingers and see how it feels mm-hmm. and back to that again find something that feels good i think that's such a powerful kind of guiding principle you know in this in this way of approaching the instrument find what feels good because it's yeah. such an open-ended way of approaching it you know obviously what feels good for one person is is not the same as what feels good for another just expand on that a little bit uh, when you say what feels good are you strictly talking about the physical part of it what feels good in your hand or or is it more than that it's both right it's find find a chord progression that feels good for your hand maybe you're moving only one or two fingers at a time but it's also find what good, feels good to your ear and you know there's an emotional aspect to music as well so find um, the chords that make you feel peaceful and calm 
Mm-hmm. So lots of all the different ways you can feel good with your thoughts, with your feelings, with your body. Yeah. And yeah. That's uh, I mean I I agree 100%. It's it, feeling good is uh obviously a combination of what feels good in your hand and what feels good in mm-hmm. your, in your mind and your you know soul <laughs> it, it's all that good stuff right right um and and the the ukulele takes us there in in all of those ways it's amazing um i have so many questions but um have you found that the ukulele uh is uniquely suited to this uh, more so than maybe other instruments uh, have you tried this with any other instruments or in other, any other sort of educational uh, environments um, that's a good question that. yeah so in educational in regards to like teaching, I've, I've only tried it with the ukulele. Um, the ukulele is the only instrument, well, apart from singing, I guess, because we te- do a lot of singing with ukulele too. Um, th- yeah, I've only used these techniques with teaching ukulele, but I grew up playing the violin and piano. And I definitely did this a lot on the piano. We're just hmm. not worrying about reading the sheet music, just trying different combinations of notes to get chords that you like the sound of. I re- actually really liked arpeggiating chords as well on the piano. So <laughs> that's something right. that I've taken with me to the ukulele. That's funny. My son was doing exactly that the other day. Um, my wife caught a little bit of it on, on video just to share with the family. But he sat down at the piano and, and without any prompting from, from me or any teaching from me, um, he just started playing on the black keys and wow. um, just, you know, creating his own meditation and you can feel the musicianship through it. Like he's, he's mm-hmm. getting the idea of phrasing of, of highs and lows uh, and sort of accompaniment in one hand with melody in the other. He doesn't have the facility to like play a Chopin uh, nocturne or something. Yet. But the spirit, <laughs> <laughs> but the spirit of that same kind of thing is there. It's not refined, but I, th- I think so often and uh, now I'm getting on my little soapbox, but uh, <laughs> I think so often we, we put those barriers up early on to say, it, it, you know, um, what's more important is to get to the Chopin um, mm-hmm. because that's that's the goal. You know, that's the refined uh, version of that uh, of that sentiment. But allowing the that sentiment to sort of come out naturally and to see the the sort of coarse musicianship through open-ended exercises like this it's so powerful and so um so much fun for the teacher you know or or the observer or the parent or whatever um because you don't have that constant uh, sort of judgment of like well no you got it wrong <laughs> try again you know yeah. 10 more times until you get it right um that's just putting more and more hurdles up between uh, the student and the sort of musicianship um i guess that leads into sort of my, my next question which is do you see this sort of mindfulness practice as uh, being sort of integrated into regular practice? Um, do you see it as sort of now's the time to practice your scales and then separately now's the time to be mindful or, or is it some kind of combination? I, I see them as, you know, a continuum, right? When, when I was a kid, I would have told you that I hated scales and I hated arpeggio studies. Mm-hmm. Um, but learning that skill of practicing them has made it easier for me as an adult anyway to find those mindful moments. And when you are practicing 
it can become a mindful moment, a moment where you just, where you're choosing to focus just on those notes and playing those notes and being right here, right now with the music. So I would say that um, I use these mindful moments with my students as both a warm up, as a way to uh, get focused and be here in the moment in your lesson, and also as a way to practice new skills. Mm-hmm. And. You know, and I want to keep sort of going on this thing that maybe this is me with my own issues, but it feels like there is part of music that is very goal-oriented. That's, mm-hmm. I want to get to this point. I want to learn that song, or I sure. want to learn that technique, and I'll know when I get there because I'll be able to do it. You know, yeah. it's a very sort of like, <laughs> it's a vector, you know, I'm going yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Um and then there's another aspect of music that's obviously not so much about how it sounds, but about how it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for for me in my life, I've, I've struggled, I think, as a lot of people have, especially people who go into it professionally, to find uh, my sort of happy balance of, of those things. I, I, what, what role do you think sort of acceptance plays in uh, sort of mindful musicianship. I I imagine sort of like an archer who Mm -hmm. is like shooting an arrow at at a target. Obviously, they're in the game of trying to hit the bullseye. Like, obviously, that's what they showed up to do. Obviously, that's what they've been training to do. And obviously, they don't hit it every time. Mm -hmm. So what do they do when they don't hit it? You know, (laughs) what what goes through their mind? Do do they throw a tantrum? Um, I think some do and some don't. And I think with music, it's the same thing. Like, do you think these things are just completely entwined? So like, and and what's the way to get out of that, that downward spiral of like beating yourself up for for (laughs) not getting it? You know, how do we get out of that? Like as a teacher, when my students are feeling like that, that's my opportunity to, to back it up and find find that um that that level of difficulty which is just beyond your reach but you feel like you can get there Mm -hmm. so something like um some of these complicated meditations when you see the sheet music it looks really overwhelming so you've got the notes and you've got the tab and you've got chords that you've never heard of before and it looks really overwhelming but as the teacher, I can see that's just finger picking on a chord. Right? If I write out the notes for finger picking on a C major chord, well, it's got six notes all over the the um, the staff, and it looks complicated. But I can describe it to my students, as saying we're just going to do one string at a time, going back and forth, and they get that. And so I can use that as a stepping stone to now you can look, you already know how to do this and showing them the thing they already know how to do and then showing them the sheet music and, um, and then they can move forward like that archer, right? So it's like, what exercises do you need to do before you can do that hard thing? And now what's the next hard thing you can do that's just, just beyond your reach, but you feel like you can get there. Right. And, 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 and that, building that up. And, and, that means sort of almost uh, very purposeful like preparation on the part mm-hmm. of the teacher, right? For you sure. really have to know your teaching material so that you can create those those moments. I, I think Absolutely. 
you know, you've gone through the ukulele in the classroom books. Um, mm-hmm. I think of a moment like the uh, ukulele part two in Long Long Ago, where it just looks like a hailstorm on yeah. the page. Yeah. And and that's intentional. It's meant to induce panic. Yeah. Uh, so that you, as the teacher, can come in with the the answer and and uh, relieve that. Right. Another stress. good one is the uh, the ukulele two part in Brahms Lullaby, where you've right. got the arpeggiated chords. It looks really complicated. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes and, it's easier to describe it in words than it is to write it out. Right. And and as a teacher, I guess you always have that choice of do I want to start with the way it looks, mm-hmm. or do I want to start with the way it sounds, or do I want to start with the way it feels. Right. You know, that's an interesting kind of decision as 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 you're sort of deciding what on-ramp to take into a lesson. Is it look, sound, or feel? Uh, I've, I've never really consciously thought about that, but I think we all sort of um, jump back and forth between those three ways of getting into a lesson for different purposes. And, and that also speaks to the, you know, what what gear you want to be in <laughs> in that lesson right absolutely yeah it's funny when you when you play the the c major chord like that mm-hmm. that is the first measure of the piece like an ukulele yes that i wrote for the exact same reason right yes now that one's a classic example of what you're talking about where it gets a little more complicated right mm-hmm. When it goes up the neck. You know, we, it, it's the kind of thing that it's going to be super relaxing once you learn it. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> right. And that's where and I think you're really, you're really finding this really sweet spot there where uh, uh, it's going to be relaxing right now which is yeah exactly right you want to let's practice those breathing techniques on something that's relaxing and feels good right now and build up those skills that you can do the more complicated pieces that will then sound really good and Mm -hmm. feel really good once you've mastered the skills Mm -hmm. and and just to circle back to the sort of archer idea Mm -hmm. i don't know how you how you feel about this in your in your own playing even but i feel like the the biggest challenge for me is accepting that when you don't hit the bullseye mm-hmm. you know like i have intentions to get it right and when i don't i accept that i didn't yes that that's a tricky uh back and forth right allowing yourself to feel okay with it mm. until you get the music right right eventually it's going to feel really good and it's going to sound really good. But until then, like you said, accepting that it's okay that it doesn't sound right now, good right now, but I will get there. It doesn't sound good yet. I love right. that. It that doesn't yet. sound good yet. Yeah. <laughs> or, or love reminding my students, it's okay that it doesn't sound good yet. You can do hard things. You will get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you hear people from time to time talking about uh, the idea that if everyone played the ukulele in the world, that the world would be a happier place. Uh, to what extent do you think this is like a recipe for everyone? Uh, is is this for everyone? You know, I love the ukulele, and I think it's great for creating beautiful music and for creating inner peace, but not everybody wants to be a musician. I think mindfulness and taking a few moments to just 
sit with your own breath and your own body helps will help everyone because so many of us all day long our minds are spinning you're too worried about the future or the past and taking a moment to be right here right now helps you to kind of find a little bit of calm in your own mental storm whether that's on the ukulele or not i think uh, it's good for everyone i agree totally um do do you think that um have you noticed that more people are coming to it in these sort of uh difficult times um or has it kind of been all along people people coming to the ukulele because in some ways you know, every time is a difficult time um have you noticed an upswing in interest uh, since the pandemic uh, i'm not sure to be honest um i've definitely started teaching online during the pandemic that was mm. something i didn't do before and now of course i teach only online mm-hmm. uh, i used these kind of mindfulness activities for myself and in my teaching well before the pandemic um, when uh, I, I have tinnitus, like ringing in the ears, mm-hmm. and sometimes it keeps me up at night. And something I can do to help me stop focusing on that sound is to sit down and play something mindful on my ukulele for a few moments. Mm-hmm. So I've definitely used it personally, but uh, yeah, well before the pandemic right. as well. Yeah. Um, one of the first <clears throat> times I noticed your interest in. Uh, mindfulness and uh, sort of meditative music was uh, when you presented at the Jehui Masterclass in Toronto yes. and you presented your own piece. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So that piece is actually called Cat's Insomnia. I wrote it in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep. <laughs> and I did exactly what we've been talking about, where I started with some chords that I liked, changed one note or two notes at a time, uh, until I found something that felt good and that could loop around and around. I really like that, that, that it loops back to the beginning and it sounds good that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually funny that, that, that I, I stayed up all night, not all night, but most of the night, and wrote down um, the chord progression that I liked. And, uh, and I was up all night that night because of my tinnitus. The next morning was when Angela Dwyer sent out an email to all the Jehui st- students saying, oh, we have one more spot in the master class. Does anybody want to volunteer? So in my lack of sleep state, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's do something on ukulele meditation. Great idea. How uh, funny. So, yeah. Sometimes you, you need to be in a state, you know, state of mind to, to say yes to things. And right. So my, my insomnia and tinnitus brought me to creating my own meditations and, <laughs> uh, and then sharing that with other ukulele teachers. I love that. That's great. And um, is this um, a piece that we can listen to? Is this a piece that's online somewhere that anybody can access? I, I share, I've shared it with my students and uh, I've got a few little um, videos for practicing and playing along. Uh, on my YouTube channel, and um, I can share the PDF with you as well if you'd like to make it more available. Great. I mean, uh, I'd love that. I, I know people would be uh, super interested to follow up now that we've told them the story of the song. Um, right. And uh, what is your YouTube channel? Uh, Cat Please Ukulele. <laughs> yep. That's my, <laughs> <laughs> that's my website as well, catpleaseukulele.com. You can get to my YouTube from uh, from the website or go directly to YouTube. Right on. And we'll, we'll put that link in the podcast notes as well, for sure. Um, so, So looking ahead, um, sort of beyond the pandemic, nobody has a crystal ball, but um, what, what are your plans uh, coming up 
and how is this approach to um, ukulele going to going to factor into those plans? Pandemic and and otherwise, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I you know I do find that um, I have been bringing these meditations more to my own teaching, and um, some of my students want to go further with that. So I am planning on uh, doing some workshops in the spring on how to how to create your own mindful moments and um, how to create your own little meditative uh, pieces as well. So mm. that, that's coming up in the spring. The dates have not been yet been announced, but it will be coming up in the spring. Uh, you can sign up on catplaysukulele.com. And um, I forget what else you asked, James. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I'm getting distracted by what you just said. Um, so, so this is a workshop where people learn how to create their own uh, meditations or mindful moments. Mindful moments, yeah. yeah. Like in the same um, style that, that we, we talked about today. And one thing I love about that idea is that you're eventually going to have this sort of pool of resources that people are sharing with one another. It's something I've learned through the Jehui program and and designing that program. Uh, early on in the Jehui teacher certification program, the monthly assignments were more focused on uh, playing. So like getting teachers to get better at playing for themselves and, and they would bring that uh, you know, higher level of skill and, and more appreciation for the instrument to their teaching. But it was more of a, like a personal pursuit. And then sort of broke off those assignments and those became the foundation for what became uh, the ukulele way. And now in Jehui, the assignments focus um, more on um, arranging and creating little add-on bits, almost like plugins, that uh, a teacher could come up with an intro or an ending or a harmony part or a bass line or, or you know, a solo or a soli, you know, <laughs> and, and then they can take these little modular things and share them with each other. And yes. I, so I could I could email you and say like, hey, Catherine, can you send me your outro for a crawdad song? I'd really love to play that with my group or whatever. I love this idea of creating like modular musical uh, pieces that can be shared within a community, and I can totally see that happening happening for this community as well. It's a great you know? idea. If everybody started with the same chord progression and with a few minor changes, and then we moved from one person's um, new meditative moment to the next person's new meditative moment, the same sort of like mm. underlying harmony that could be really beautiful. Right, almost like a like a game of telephone, uh, you know, meditative telephone. Yeah. Uh, but I do love the idea. Uh, of what you're doing, you know, slowly creating this, this body of work that is, that is, that has this quality to it because it does still come down to like, where do I put my fingers? You know, like, yeah. okay, I want to relax. I want to have a mindful moment, but like, I still need the material <laughs> to yes. do it. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of good intentions maybe out there with teachers, but um, you know, how do I actually make this happen i need that material those resources that's something that's really important right is that i want my students to feel like they can create their own mindful moments with Mm -hmm. their their instrument Mm -hmm. even beginners right you are a musician you can make beautiful music yeah and you don't have to wait for daniel ward to come up with his next book although you should totally buy it absolutely yeah and tone's book as well (laughs) yeah right exactly but you don't have to wait until that happens uh, to to do something uh, that's meaningful to you and your students my guest today has been Catherine Gorkman. Thank you so much, Catherine, for joining me today. 
Thank you for having me, James. I really admire what you're doing with the ukulele, creating mindful moments and uh, and sharing that approach to the ukulele with your community of students and also um, your peers in the teaching world. So thank you for all you're doing, and uh, we'll make sure to put some links in the show description so you can follow up with Catherine and also with Daniel and Chon and uh, see what kind of uh, work they're doing in this uh, mindfulness space uh, vis-a-vis ukulele. So thank you again, Catherine, and and all the best with uh, your work moving forward. Thank you very much, James. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, Catherine is offering a free online ukulele workshop on Saturday, March 27th, 2021. For more information, go to catplaysukulele.com and check out the show notes for links to the resources we discussed in the interview. Until next week, keep on strumming.